Test, test, test your mic for me. Test, test, test. Great. That was great. Oh. <laughs> this is hilarious. Mic that up. Yeah. I mean, this is this is great. Thank you. This was like my. Uh, this was my uh, my project after my doc. I was like, I'm gonna make. Uh, I'm gonna make a lunatic podcast that. Uh, <laughs> Maybe people care about eventually. Fuck yeah. Speaking of, hello and welcome back to the Jew Rogaine Experience. I am Josh Edelman. Uh, joining me today is Zane Helberg. Zane and I used to know each other um, from Bert's back room, which which I hosted. Uh, it's a you know, pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic. Um, I'm having Zane here in part because, you know, I must have hosted, I don't know, 100 mics that Zane was in, and I never made him laugh. So the, that's the, not the idea, if I cor- if I corner him, <laughs> I figured if I corner him in a podcast studio, that is the first of all, that's false. But there was my first laugh right there. <laughs> no, Zane was a tough Zane was a tough cookie to crack at the uh, at the Burt's. Bro, I've been sitting in open mics for so long. It's so hard. Are you it, it's funny. It's funny that I even say that. I'm such a hypocrite. I'm such a hypocrite because, like, like I'm always the person who will tell people. I'll be up on stage. I'll be like, listen, guys, you can't bomb at an open mic. You can't bomb in front of people who don't want to see you succeed and didn't come to laugh. You can only bomb in front of a group of people that came out to have a good time and then didn't because you were on stage. But then I start bombing at the open mic, and I'm like, fuck you. Fuck you. Kill <laughs> you pieces of shit. Uh, <laughs> So, so as much as I, you know, I can't practice whatever. We're all emotional beings. I mean that that was the spot for me because I lived a block and a half away well, on, on Ogden, and so it was easy to just pop in. And I was n- always there in a rush, and I was never in a good mood. And fuck, that was two thousand and like eighteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. It was a bad place in my life, and. uh you know, um, it's fucking terrible. Open, open mics are fucking terrible, dude. But but of the open, okay. So of <laughs> of the slotted, of all the slotted that have ever existed, Burt's remains my favorite. You know, I I would have to agree because I haven't done any others. Oh really? Oh really? Well, you 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 went to the best. Part of what I liked about Burt's was that. It didn't make any bones about feeling like a DMV traffic school location. Like I walked in there and I was like, I was like, this feels like a place you could do like comedy traffic school after you get a ticket. And, you know, you know, they have that. You ever you you seem like someone that might have gone to comedy traffic school (laughs) once. (laughs) Have you ever had a DUI or have you ever? I I did. uh, Yeah, I did have a one DUI in 2018. No. And that's why you're coming to Burt's? Because no, <laughs> you no, couldn't no, get to any was, of the other mics? Fuck, that was... Two, I got pulled over in 2009. I um, I mean, if you're watching, Mom, you'll be very upset. But uh, I was probably drunker than I should have been driving home last night. And I realized that... Bro, you can't do that. I know. You got to stop doing know, that I right know. now. No, no, wh- Too many people die from that shit. Well, 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 okay. Like, let's... I was fine. I had two drinks, but still, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Okay, that's not necessarily driving drunk. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I just still felt like uh, I probably. I'll tell you the moment I realized I probably shouldn't be doing this when I went to Jack in the Box 
And like as I was going through the Jack in the Box drive through, I was thinking to myself, if the cops were smart, they'd like they build just a, they'd build a, a Jack in no, the no, Box. they just build a fake Jack. You in should the be box. arrested for eating at Jack in the Box. <laughs> they should build a fake Jack in the Box that's just a DUI checkpoint, and like <laughs> you pull up to the window, and uh, they don't even breathalyze you; they just arrest you. <laughs> They're just like, we know, we know, and you're just like, ah, you got. What me. time was this? 2 a.m. You were at Jack in the Box at 2 a.m.? Yeah, I was surprised. What, was are you open. okay? Yeah. What is, no, I don't think you are. I'm asking like an actual existential question. Well, like, I'll what, tell you the truth. What, that, you the what truth. did you order? Just the, ta- just one, the $1 tacos. I, how many? Just just one order. Of, I had two, ta- two one tacos. One order. order so you spent $1.08 at Jack in the Box at 2 in the morning. And I asked for a cup of water. So how how bad was I, really, if I'm just getting a taco? Was there a line? No. So it was an empty Jack in the Box. Empty Jack you in the Box. just got the two tacos. Uh, part of me was worried I was driving into a DUI checkpoint. All right, I'll, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll give you a pass on that. That's fine. <laughs> no, I was fine. I was fine. I was I just, but, you know, I don't know. I don't like to drive at all after any drinks. Uh, I don't drive very often to begin with. Um, Only I've, when you're drinking. <laughs> well, I just, I was like, uh, you, here, I've always said, like, you know, drunk driving in L.A. is like reverse deal or no deal. It's like right now, if I leave my car where it is, tomorrow I owe $300 to get it out of the tow place, at least. At least $300 to get it out of where it's been towed. Or I could drive home and risk opening up a briefcase that's $10,000 or a briefcase where I owe nothing. No deal. <laughs> well, the truth of the matter is, if you get a DUI, you do not need to hire a lawyer. They, if, you're found, if you're found guilty... If like you're actually drunk driving and and they pull you over, uh, no no lawyer can save you. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. You go to the you go to the public defender. You plead guilty. You you take the fifteen hundred dollar fine. You do. It's the only fifteen hundred dollars. I thought it was ten thousand. No, no, it's ten, that uh, the lawyer charges you ten thousand dollars because you're stupid. Oh well, I I've not never, you I've never had in it. particular, but a lawyer charges ten twelve grand for a DUI case. Mm-hmm. And they go, if you don't hire me, you're fucked. And that's not the truth. The truth is you go to the court, you plead guilty, you take your fine, you get your community service, and you go about your business. Well, now that I know it's 1500 bucks, I'm driving drunk It's kind of worth time. it, right? <laughs> you're, you're saving $8,500. It's barely more than getting your car out of the towing place. And if you forget about it for a day, it's just as much as getting your car out of the towing place. Dude, the key is uh, get a skateboard and a bus pass. I think, go I think drunk skating is way more dangerous than drunk driving. <laughs> I've also never skateboarded. There's, It's never too late to learn. It's never too late to You don't think so? Zane, could you imagine me on a skateboard? I actually thought you were a skater oh, back really? from back in the day. Yes, really? absolutely. Yeah, I think I got you a got grungier, that kind of vibe. I got a grungier vibe than people, than, than I give myself credit for. I mean, like, film director comic skater kind of goes hand in hand you don't have to be a good skater but you know i would have imagined if if someone had asked me to put money on it i would have bet you'd skated before oh interesting uh by the way i just want to say for the record the drew rogan experience does not support drunk driving don't don't don't, yeah, don't, don't to all my young listeners do out there don't don't do that shit. let zane let zane tell zane who's went through who has given me a bunch of uh great you have you're like one of those people that has like the don't do this life advice. Uh yeah, I've definitely made 
plenty of mistakes and, for everyone. And, well, see, what I think is amazing, what I think is amazing is that, first off, congratulations on uh, getting married again. Did you get married already or are you just engaged? Oh, yeah. No, I got married in December. Yeah, yeah. Thank Congr- you very much. Congratulations. And this, this is, is the best one. This is wife number. Well, isn't the one you're with always the best one while you're still mm-hmm. together? Well, that's what you think. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is uh, wife uh, number three. Number yeah, three. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was three or four. And and how old are you, Zane? I am 37 years old. <laughs> I'm 37 in two months. I'm I'm not even at wife number one. Um, You've got to catch up, bro. <laughs> You're missing out. Dude. So what? Uh what made you go, this is the one? That, I like how you're drinking out of the most delusional person ever mug. For the record, uh, yes, I am. I would consider myself delusional. I appreciate that. And I love how on the other side it says best comedian yeah, ever. Yeah, because I don't want them to know what's going on. They can't. Uh, but she, uh, she, first, okay, we, we met. Uh, through a friend, I know her. I I, I like her a lot. She's oh, great. Oh, you you know Adrian? Yeah. Okay, sweet. So she, when I was like doing comedy the second time, briefly, like the first open mic I went to, she was in line with her now ex husband. She's an ex. She's oh, an ex wife too. Yeah. So we're both our each other's third spouse. Wait, she's that was his. That, that was, was her, her second. second. Yeah. Uh, she was in line with that guy, and they were very nice to me, like, just starting out. Sure. I, so this was at, like, Flappers or something. This was at West Side Comedy Theater. Oh, uh, okay. I was living on the West Side at the time, so, like, that was a mic I would go to. Okay, all that makes sense. Yeah, she she's... She also dated a high school friend of mine. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Um, Tony Elias. I don't know who that okay, is. Okay, okay. Sorry, but now you're going to look him up. She's going to be like, fucking Adam. Uh, when was this? <laughs> she probably doesn't even remember who I am. Uh, so, wait. She dated a high school friend of yours in high school? After high school? After high school, I think. At some point He after was like school? the cool kid in, 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 in drama club. So, you know, you can only be so cool as the cool kid. In dra- he was like the high school quarterback of drama. Hell yeah. Starting off the podcast, putting my new wife on blast. That's gonna... <laughs> <laughs> She's great. And, <laughs> I'm not going to tell her when this comes out. And the one other story I have about her was she was the last comic I saw live right before lockdown at uh, at the show at Bar Lubitsch that she did. And didn't she, like, have COVID then? Didn't she, like, immediately... Wasn't... <laughs> uh, well, she... She... Well, okay, so we were dating, and then we were staying. Uh, I, I was like March thirteenth, twenty twenty, when the pandemic like struck here, and everyone was at the I think grocery of it store. Mark eleventh, March eleventh. Sure, whatever the day was. Yeah, yeah. Um, whatever the day was when all of the it was a Thursday, all of the stuff was going down. Everyone was at the grocery store. We were like, oh, we'll just spend the weekend together, and uh, and we went and got groceries, and it was like going to be a fun camp out to wait out the pandemic. She woke up that Monday coughing, and then we, uh, you know, haven't been apart since. Oh, know? shit. Yeah, she had COVID for Did a long time. It? I ended up not getting it. Wow. She had, like, long-haul COVID, uh, and then and then we just, you know, ended up quarantining together and then moving in together and then moving to the west side together, and a bunch of other things transpired. She actually asked me to marry her. Oh, low key. That's what. That's <laughs> right. I, I got it like that, and uh, and yeah. Now we, here we are, almost three times a charm. Three times a charm for both of them. 
yeah, here we are almost two and a half years later, and shit's good. I think it's going to work. I think this one's going to work out. Oh, yeah. This one's definitely going to work out. You guys, you guys seem good. And, and I don't think there's any better test of whether or not it's going to work out than deciding to get married after forcibly being stuck together for a year. Yeah, dude. It's um, If you get through that and you still love each other, I couldn't make it with my girlfriend one month, and we weren't even staying together. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I'm, I'm not even joking. Like, like, like the girl I went into the pandemic with, one month after it started, we broke up, and we weren't even living together. Yeah, bro. We made it through the pandemic, and everything is working out exactly the way it should. It's perfect. She's fucking awesome, and... Uh, She's also lucky to have me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Dan, Zane's a catch. I mean, listen, listen. Nobody I've proposed to said yes. I mean, they're really like flight of fancy proposals that have no. We're not even dating. I just. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah just like, like see a hot girl yeah. on the street. I'm like, let's get married. What have I got to lose? Half my rent. Uh, <laughs> I mean, half of nothing really is nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Did you lose anything in those diver- divorces? No, I didn't have shit. You didn't have shit. No. Well, Not at all. So it's just like you just have to go through, you just have to pay extra to break up. Like a little yes, you, you got to pay, pay a few hundred bucks to break up. To break up. To file some papers. It's really like if you are uh, a poor person, marriage means literally nothing <laughs> except to people in offices when you need to see your wife. When like you're at the doctor or you're, <clears throat> I don't know, buying airline tickets or re- really anywhere, the number one thing that it, the number one benefit of being married is to, for as a man you get to go hey m- uh, i'm looking for my wife ah uh, yeah 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 that is that plays way different than i'm looking for my girlfriend because sure 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 buddy. yeah 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> right i mean when a guy's looking for his wife everyone wants to help because no one wants a husband to be in trouble for mm-hmm. some reason everyone wants a boyfriend to kick rocks yeah 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 has anyone ever has anyone ever asked a friend of theirs whether or not they should break up with their boyfriend girlfriend and their friend said no Mm -hmm. it's never happened in the history i have a theory about that though oh yeah yeah because i think that like when things are going good you're just hanging out with uh, the person you're with and like that's you're, you're you're not even like talking to anyone else it's when shit goes bad at all that you're like talking to friend, like you're not going to believe what she did da, 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 da. Oh, and they're yeah. they're only hearing the bad things that's true so in 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 all your friends minds whoever you're with is just the monster that's only done the bad stuff to you that's why it's important to have a therapist yeah yeah you're never going to your friends like we had just wonderful sex last night and we cuddled mm-hmm. and we watched the sun rise my friends would you shut the fuck up yeah dude <laughs> exactly that's why friends are are terrible like guy, guy friends typical guy friends are terrible to bring any relationship shit to yeah. unless it's dire you know uh and, then, and your guy friends also feel like they're stealing you from them uh oh, well yeah that's a very 20s 20s uh, thing yeah, mentality yeah. Now in my 30s my friends like get a girlfriend yeah get bro out. like you're weird <laughs> like it's weird to not have a family like at this point, all of my friends uh, are coupled up, and most of them have kids. And are your kids in the cards for you? Nah, I don't think so. You don't think so? Nah, probably not. M- I mean, maybe every any anything's possible, but like I'm closer to getting a vasectomy in the next month. <laughs> <or two>. <laughs> like for real. <laughs> well, well, you know, it's like this seems like the the fucking. It just it's never seemed. I kind of want kids, but it's never seemed more stressful to me. To have kids than right now. It's full, it's extremely stressful, and 
if I had a ton of money, it would be a no-brainer. Like, I have friends that are very wealthy that are like, yeah, kids are great. You know, I got... All of my life is taken care of, it's and I get great. to spend. Mexican nannies are great. Uh. Well, <laughs> Mexican nannies are sure they're fantastic. Uh, uh, rich people get to have people take care of their houses, their cars, their lawn, all that kind of shit, uh, and so they get to spend time with their children. I have other friends who are not as uh, well to do, and um, and. It's a struggle, dude. Even my brother. My brother's kid's eight, and now my brother's making good money. He's a, a very successful real estate agent in Colorado. But for the first six years of this kid's life, he was in the restaurant business grinding, Ugh. working 60, 70 hours a week, and then also raising a child. And, you know, we'd be on FaceTime, and I was, I would ask him, I'm like, yo, dude, uh, is it like w- in the first, like, couple years this kid was uh growing up obviously he's a, a wonderful child and i love him to death he's my nephew and he's a badass but uh, i'd be joking with my brother i'd be like yo we'd be on facetime i'm like blink twice if you wish this never happened you know like <laughs> and he'd be like blinking a bunch you know because he's like <laughs> fucking exhausted he's like hoping that it does something hoping that like it's like some sort of you're some sort of genie yeah <laughs> you know, he uh it, it was tough it's tough for a lot of people so like i i personally i'm like I'm knocking your side over. I'm fully career focused and my wife is fully career focused and we come together in the middle and kids are not in the cards right now. She's going to grad school in a couple of years uh, for computational linguistics. I'm, is she not doing comedy anymore? No, she does. Or she does comedy. I saw she, she was like headlining that. Right, she's also a linguist and, though. And she's way smarter than me. And she's, uh, her dream was to finish grad school, and so she's going to do that. And uh, we just have so many other things going on. And, I I mean, I travel so much, so it's like... Something something I also want to get into. And, and, and talk sure, about we it. can talk about whatever you want, but, like, the <laughs> a kid would, would change everything. Totally. I wouldn't say that a kid would ruin everything, but you it would have, definitely... Kind of like, like a paper moon type sitch where you, <laughs> you and the kid are on the road. Yeah. The kid becomes right. a bigger comedian than you. <laughs> you kind of look like uh, you kind of look like uh, Ryan O'Neill in that movie a little bit. You kind of like that's uh, hysterical. I've never seen that movie, but the idea that I have a baby and then they effortless effortlessly become a better <laughs> and more successful comedian than me feels very much like it would happen to my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my Tatum god. Tatum O'Neill, youngest Oscar winner in history for that movie. So funny. Um, I, it, is it going to be awkward if I get up and pour more coffee into my cup? No, no, no. Go right ahead. All right. right. Hell yeah. Nothing I'm still though. listening. Well, <laughs> what's awkward is you, you know, talking to me and we're recording it, you know, for us. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's what's awkward. I was, um, I was having this. Uh, I was saying recently, like my, you know, my parents don't pressure me about. Um, <laughs> don't worry, he's there, everybody. My parents don't pressure me that much about, like, having kids and stuff. But, like, I, I can sense, you know, they're getting older, and, and I feel like, you know, in their life they envision themselves as grandparents. And um, <laughs> I was thinking, I kind of have a joke about, like, how when I was young, my dad used to say to me all the time, he'd be like, you know, who you get married to and have kids with is the most important decision of your life. And now that I'm 36, my parents are like, literally open a phone book, point to a name, put a baby in them. <laughs> well, also, it's it's a very uh, it's a very old school mentality 
for that to be the most important thing. Obviously, the human race needs to go on. People need to have children. However, not everyone needs to fucking do it. And it's a very well, like I think their I think their their attitude was more along the lines of um, who you choose to do that with will affect your life one way or not. Like if you make a bad choice, oh, if yeah. you get married to the wrong person and have a kid with them. That that's like a life fucking yeah. decision. I mean, the, whoever you have a child with, they're with you for the rest of your life. So it better be, or hopefully, it's someone that you can stand. There's that Louis joke where he's like, he's like, I got married, and I was like, ugh, I can't get out of this. And then then I had kids, and I was like, I could have gotten out of this. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um. So, uh, so okay, so so something I really want to talk to you about because it's something that like I'm I'm kind of um, I'm kind of starting to try and figure out doing myself. Uh, I've been Zane has a great podcast himself. I highly recommend any of you listening to this. Listen to that. Like literally, I listen to so few podcasts, but but yours is one that I like genuinely like and find genuinely informational and like helpful. Hell yeah, and, and, that's and, exactly and, what I'm going for. And it's like it's like. You know, in prepping in prepping for this stupid podcast, I was just like listening to a bunch because I don't listen to that many in general. And I was like, oh, OK, I can. The, my podcast is no different than even the best versions of this. It's just what people are doing. But yours, yours is one of the ones that actually like has purpose and, and you can get something out of. Yeah, I have a specific, a very specific uh, intention for the podcast. And I feel like every it's it's very important in any sort of uh, endeavor to have a very specific intention because obviously there's so much content out there and uh, you know it's all in my opinion it's all about having like a definiteness of purpose so that at least if no one's listening you have a direction yeah and then along the way I mean I have I don't have a, a, a big following by any stretch of the imagination you know it's so minute however the small handful of people that listen every single week and message me and thank me are exactly who i'm talking to people who want to work for themselves doing something creative my my show's purpose is just proving to the world i'm the funniest (laughs) man on earth (laughs) and i won't rest until it's proven uh no but um but uh but, you know, if you're trying to go out there and, like, make a career for yourself as a performer and you're like, well, how do I do it in this world where there's where there's people who have hundreds of thousands of TikTok and Instagram followers and this and that? Well, Zane, Zane's out there with with less followers than me if that was possible, which I didn't know was possible <laughs> until I looked at your following. And then and then somehow is also like, you know, not having to work a miserable job that he hates to go and do the thing that he loves. He just does the thing that he loves. And I'm and as I've learned also listening to your podcast, there's a lot of things that I would hate doing that are necessary to do in order to do the thing that you love, but you've you found the way to convince yourself it's worth it and you and you put in the effort and you do it and it and it does work. So like so like talk to me about talk to me about the deci- the moment you made the decision. What were you doing before you did stand up? Okay. So Or not not before you did stand up, before you're like, I'm a stand up full time. How did you make your money before that? Okay, so before I made my money, well, okay, I've been a, a stand-up full-time um, in some capacity since May 14th of 2017. 
Oh, shit. Okay, it's yeah. been that long. Yes. And so before that, I was in the restaurant business for off, I mean, mostly on, but for 16 years. I was and, in the and restaurant business. And when you say business. in the restaurant business, like as a server, I as did like everything. A, a restaurant tour. My very first uh, job was uh, washing dishes, and uh, I moved all up the ranks. I was uh, a cook, a cashier, a prep cook, a dishwasher, bartender, server, manager, and then in the end, I uh, I ended up, and this. Along the way, there was a couple different things that I did. I was a corporate videographer for a couple years. Um, you know, I'd, I I started the film club in high school, and so like I was always working with the camera and editing and and stuff like I that. Did, I did too. And I, I, I oh yeah, he started the film club. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's I think it's still going to this day. So that's like my legacy at my high school, which is like it's awesome. But um, I. Uh, was a, a salesman uh, uh, for a number of years. I can My totally. See. There's like probably nothing I can see more than you as a salesman. Like I, my dad's a salesman, so it's kind of like in my blood. He was I my tree in like the suit, the stash, <laughs> knocking on a door, the briefcase. I was a door to door for for like two years. I was actually a door to door salesman. A, did you wear a suit? No, no, oh. I wore shorts and a polo because I was a door to door steak salesman. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in, I can uh, also see you in the polo. That's in funny. the in the San was Fernando like, Valley, like a pink Lacoste. Sure, it was stuff like that. You know, <laughs> I looked like I was a uh, coming like from a tennis club. instructor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I can see you being a tennis instructor. And I didn't have the mustache yet. I was twenty four, like twenty four to twenty six. I was a door to door salesman, and I freaking killed it, dude. It was it was awesome. But anyway, so and in a way, part of what you do now is sort of like a door to door sale, a sales thing. You are you are. St- I'd say that you definitely are still a salesman. Well, I am my own manager. Own I am my own agent. I am my own tour manager. I do literally everything. And yeah, you have to be a salesperson. Mm-hmm. It's a thousand percent. Every No matter what business you're in, I don't care whether you are the biggest comedian in the world or or you are an actual salesman, a real estate agent, a um, any, any sort of business where you are your own uh, boss, you have to have some sort of salesmanship. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to. You're in talks with people about money all the time. And even if you're having a conversation with your own manager and agent, you have to know what you want. You have to be able to ask for money. You have to be able to ask for jobs. You have to at least be able to to, to know if uh, if your agent or manager isn't getting you what you want. You know, you, uh, you have to be willing to go quote unquote knock on doors and fucking make shit happen. It's just speaking part of, of it. Speaking of being a salesman, um today's episode of the Drew Rogaine Experience is brought to you by uh I farted stickers. These are uh my first my first piece of merch. They're designed to look like uh, I voted stickers. I actually translated I farted into all the different languages on the bottom that um that's just, fantastic just like the I voted <laughs> stickers uh you can purchase these on uh, josh edelman comedy.com soon I'm, I'm implementing that are you gonna put your name on this sticker somewhere you know yesterday when I started handing them out I realized I probably should have put my name on it somewhere <laughs> so I'm, I'm a bad salesman <laughs> or I'm bad at marketing I don't know these are these are hilarious stickers though it's a great sticker I love it. And what I want to see down here in the middle is, or somewhere very noticeable, is 
your Instagram handle at the Edelman, yeah, or I gotta, your I gotta, website or something. 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 You know, it's yours. It's yours. <laughs> oh no, thank you. <laughs> That's fantastic. Those will those will sell like gangbusters in the South, right? Oh hell yeah. So anyway, all right. Long story short, I was I got sober when I was twenty eight, mm-hmm. right? And I had been doing stand up at that point. So I'm thirty seven now. I uh, I'd been doing stand up at that point for five years, right? So this was two thousand and twelve. And I, uh, you know, I was like a, uh, at the point in the open mic scene where I was like getting uh, a few shows a month, doing three mics a night. There was slotted didn't exist. So this was the era where like you'd go, you have to know the host, you'd go sign the list and be like, yo, put me up a little early. You know what I'm saying? And then you'd have your little circuit and you'd be going around. I call those I call those the socialist mics. Yeah. Where everyone's equal, but some people are a little bit more equal. So (laughs) at that point, when I the animal farm (laughs) of uh, the animal farm of the miking scene, you know, I was uh, I was a fucking I was like angry. I was a, an angry drunk, really. No. Yeah, I was a very angry drunk. I was like getting, uh, I was like inviting, getting heckled all the time at every show. I got a chair thrown at me at a show what? in Compton. Yeah, like that's a that's a story for another Did time. Did you deserve like, to have the chair thrown at you? I mean, I mean who deserves who deserves to have a chair thrown at them? But like, I was getting heckled, and I said something perfect and mean and funny, but. Someone say maybe a little over the line, and this giant woman picked her chair up and threw it at me from four rows uh, back. Hit me. The security guards tackled her because she came after me, and it was like that was like. I'm surprised they had security. I can't think of the last show I did not at a comedy club that had security, and I don't even know if the comedy clubs I perform at have security. So anyway, (laughs) my life was all a fucking mess, and so. My story is that in January 17, I was putting on a benefit show for people in the recovery community, like a free show. And so how does that benefit anyone? <laughs> <laughs> like uh, it, it benefits. He wasn't. He wasn't a great businessman yet. It was a. <laughs> it, it was. It was a uh, a free show for the people at the sober livings and rehabs. Uh, okay. So it was for them. And so be it, it benefited the people in the audience. I'd be concerned, though. Any 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 show with comics that aren't being paid could send some of these sober living people back into <laughs> fall, right. falling off the wagon, falling falling on the wagon, get falling off the wagon. That's oh, yeah. when you start trying. Oh God, I, I've watched bad comedy sometimes and been like, I need a drink. <laughs> well. Uh, fortunately for me, I came up with a class of comedians who are fucking fantastic. Literally every single one of my friends coming up is now either on television, a fucking touring comedian, like hosting the best podcast, hosting the, the best podcast of all time. <laughs> and uh, and so when I put a show on, uh, I it was a good show. Right. We had great comics. It was fantastic. And um, and. A friend of a friend who worked at the Encino Hospital called me, and he goes, look, I can't bring people to your show because they're in detox, and they've only been sober a couple days. They're all on medicine. They can't leave the hospital. But why don't you come to the hospital and do some stand-up? And I thought that was going to be a terrible idea. You know, I went and had a meeting with him, and we looked at the space, and it was like a rec room. And 
with like fluorescent lighting like and the patch adams face bro like. yeah it was it was bad <laughs> but i was like all right we'll do it you know and he he uh could uh pay me a couple bucks and so i brought a group out and we did a show it was for two people and this this old lady and then this young guy who was this you know little like fat guy with a wispy mustache and he was just they had this this tub of free ice cream and he was just munching ice creams dude laughing his ass off at us and he had an amazing time and he was like yo he was he was at the hospital for diabetes (laughs) i mean (laughs) he was at the hospital for uh heroin he had not done heroin in three days and when he was done he looked at me and he goes oh my god dude i never thought i was gonna be able to laugh like this without putting heroin in my body and that was like a very serious thing. Damn. Right? And yeah. I was like, holy you have to put shit. That on, you have to put that on your on your flyer. Uh, <laughs> whatever that guy's name is, Zane Helberg, as good as heroin. Better than heroin. Better than better than heroin. Better than heroin. That should be w- the name of your, your next tour. Better than the better than heroin tour. Dude, that's actually a fan see you 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 do have marketing in you. That's a fantastic title. <laughs> <laughs> better than heroin <laughs> i like that i'm Thank keeping you. it you know, all yours all yours all yours so that happened and then i was like holy shit we got to keep doing this and so i would go back there every week and then and within like a couple weeks i was like maybe other uh drug treatment facilities want to have stand up there and so i started making the phone calls and right away i got a couple clients and so i i had this little side business while working like 60 hours a week with uh the this with job. the restaurant job and you know it was like a perfect storm of things my boss at the time uh uh read it was like february of 2017 he read me the riot act about uh about my performance at work dude so funny you say read me the riot act it was only the other day that somebody said i didn't know i didn't know what that meant until a couple of days ago because uh this girl that i'm friends with is like like my boyfriend is super fucking up and she goes i read him the riot act today and i was like and you know i don't want to look like an idiot so i was like oh cool then i went and looked up like what the fuck is the riot Act? and it's like ah ah, that's a that's an expression read them the riot act i was like looking i was like i was like you called him up and you like read him a fucking (laughs) old 1700s document yeah four score and seven (laughs) i'm like i'm like uh, i'm like and did that change his mind about how he's treated um and i'm like ah now i know what it means okay he read you the ride like you're fucking up you're fucking up mm-hmm. you're 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 about to be fired and in that moment i was i was listening to this and in the back of my head i was like mm, quitting this job it's so funny i mean i had i had a situation where uh, i was working on an editing job at a company that's been very good to me and um, they booked me for two weeks and the job went on five weeks past when it was supposed to end i mean great i'm making a lot of money this whole time but it just came very close it like suddenly it's like i'm realizing that in a couple days i'm supposed to go to vegas to do this show which is paying me almost nothing i'm losing money going to vegas and i'm like hey i'm sorry i like i can't i can't keep working on this for another two days i have to go to vegas and they freaked out at me and i'm like you guys didn't book me for this time and it just he's like well you can't tell us two days beforehand i'm like i didn't realize it was getting that close uh and and they were like they asked me like can you cancel that and i thought to myself i'm like I kind of promised myself I'd never not do the thing I care about for the thing I don't care about because of money. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. And so I went to Vegas and uh, 
they stopped hiring me until recently again. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, well, that makes sense for them, you know? Yeah, but yeah. at the same time, you got to do what you love. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember once uh, before the pandemic, I had, I used to have a photo booth company. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, that fucking crashed and burned. <laughs> uh, it was like a live event photo booth uh, company. And um, I had to do like a 12 hour event at like that started at like 6 a.m uh i wasn't feeling well this is like pre-pre-covid i wasn't i wasn't feeling well and i had a late night spot at the improv which was supposed to be at 1 a.m my spot but then craig robinson showed up so my spot became at 2 a.m for like four people in the room wow and <laughs> there's a part of me that, like, before the whole thing, kind of knowing what I was going into, I'm like, I should skip this late night spot to do to get some sleep before this crazy job tomorrow. And I said, Nah, I'm gonna go do the, <laughs> I'm gonna go do the spot. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of shit you, that you got to do. I mean, back in the day, in, in 20, 2010, 2011, I had a. Uh, two open mics uh, at what is now rock paper use rock paper coffee okay on sunset and gardener used to be a place called the coffee tea bar okay and across the street uh there used to be a sushi restaurant called sushi kings both of those places were open 24 hours so i had and i worked at the sushi king and um so i i had uh open mics that started at midnight and would go till 4 a.m. because we'd get the late night crowd at those places. Mm -hmm. So you could have like a little bit of a show. And then I would be there until uh, f like 4 a.m. And then I would walk home to, I lived right here on uh, on Western. And so you sunset. basically walked through a nightmare to get home. Yeah, dude. I mean, I, I'll go on dates and like walk home from the dates like from like a mile away through Sunset or through Hollywood Boulevard. And I'm like, I'm like, honestly, it feels like I'm having a nightmare right now and I'm just walking through it. I don't know. I felt like <laughs> tough. It was like I was yeah, whenever I did shit like that, I knew I was exhausting myself. But I was like, this is the type of shit that 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 you that people won't do for their the thing that they love or whatever. See, I feel like I remember like so in 20 Either the very end of 2017, and maybe it was the end of 20. I forget when I restarted again. But it was either the end of 2017 or the end of 2018. And like similarly to you, I was like, all right, I'm going to do a mic a week. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to do two mics a week. And then I was like, I'm going to do three mics a week. And then I got to the point where like, I'm going to do a mic every day. And then I got to a point where I was like, I'm going to do as many mics every day as I can. And there was a point very early on where I did this mic at Cafe Americano. I don't think it exists. I mean, there's still Cafe Americano, but this specific one doesn't exist anymore. And they had a little outdoor mic. And there was a dumpster right behind it. And it smelled so fucking bad in there. Like, like un terribly bad like when i left the mic afterwards i couldn't get the smell out of like my nose and like i was worried i had some sort of like nasal cancer from it um just because my that's how my brain works uh but while i was there i was like no josh you have to do stand up in trash in order to prove to yourself <laughs> you're nowadays if i walked in there and i smelt that i'd just be like nope and walk right out yeah <laughs> you get to a point where you realize you don't have to be covered in trash <laughs> i mean the first couple of years it's uh it's really important to put yourself in situations that suck i mean someone said to me recently they asked me if i wanted to do two minutes or they 
Someone said to me recently that they were going to ask me if I wanted to do two minutes on their podcast show at the improv. And then they're like, nah, you're you're past that now. And I was like, no, 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 I'll, I'll still do it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm We're like horrors, you know, we got to we got to get it in. I, I said I said to the person, I'm like, I'll start turning things down once I'm needing to turn things down. Like, like, right. like once it's getting to a point where like I'm having to say no to people frequently because of other things, then I'll start thinking about what are the things I want to do. Well, that kind of thing happens naturally. Like yeah. eventually you'll turn that down because you're booked somewhere else. Exactly, exactly. Or I'll be booking enough things other places that I'll hear that and go, eh, it's not worth driving there right. to do that. Yeah, <laughs> um, yes, that, that will happen. Okay, so I was doing the comedy at the rehab facilities for about a year and a half. I mm -hmm. made thousands of phone calls to build up that business, and I, at first I thought that was the model. I was up to like 25, 30 rehab shows a month. A month. In 2018. Now, what would you make, what would your at-home take be from a rehab show? I mean, it would depend. Not a lot. A couple hundred bucks. I but was, you'd make a couple hundred bucks. So if you're doing 25, if you're doing 25 Well, I was also paying like all the comedians- grand. 20 oh, yeah. to so 25 I'm, bucks I'm and paying for gas. So like, I don't know. I was making, I was making ends meet. You're making ends meet. You're I like, was making enough to pay my, by at that point I was making enough to pay my rent and, uh, pay the comedians. And, um, and I mean, I, w it was, uh, you know, a couple grand, you know, it was enough to pay my bills. Mm -hmm. And did you like the rehab shows? Well, this is the thing. The most important thing, in my opinion, about being a performer is if you want to be a performer, you have to have an act. Mm -hmm. You absolutely have to have an act. It has to be an hour long at minimum, and it's got to be something that is 100% going to work. Whether you're uh, a comedian, an artist, a poet, a singer, it has to, it has to be valuable. 100% going to work most of the time. Yeah, but like, <laughs> I, you have to be able to confidently say that this is uh, that this is what I do, and I'm a professional, and it's worth your money. Mm -hmm. For me, nothing made me stronger than doing stand up for people in the daytime who were angry, who had just come off a trauma group or an AA meeting, or. Uh, you know, so guys. Op so open micers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure. If you're, I mean, if it, like nothing is harder than doing a fucking open mic, but you know, so yeah. Uh, did I, I like them? Like, I feel like you just described you at Burt's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If like, you can make me, at, if you can make me laugh at Burt's for an hour, You've got a strong act. <laughs> you have a strong act. I would I would pay if you could make me laugh for an hour, I'll pay thirty bucks to go see you. Right? But someone said I was at a mic. I mean it's it's a funny thing that like like I think about also at the mics is is in people's eyes at the mics, everyone's kind of if you're new at a mic, your view of the mic is that everyone's on this equal playing field there. Like that this is a that this is a group of people who do this where I don't know at a certain point I'm just kind of like there are people here that are just starting and then there are people here who have been doing this for years heard everything can recognize the phoniness just by the way you walk up onto the stage uh, <laughs> and like I mean here's the thing like 
you can be the thing about comedy is you can be a homeless person with schizophrenia and do stand up. True story. I or, gave a homeless person money once. Later, right. they showed up at Burt's. Or you can and be like, a very you drugs next time. You can be a successful comedian. <laughs> Fucking 2018, I was doing all these rehab shows. I had made quite literally thousands of sales calls to make to build this business up. And in October of that year, it all like basically disappeared. So I was in this position in January of 2019 where I had no idea how I was going to make my rent. And when I left my job in 2017, I made a promise to myself that either I was going to make money doing stand-up or I was going to starve. And first week of January, I, um, of, yeah, 2018, I had like 40 bucks in my bank account and I had, I had, postmates on my phone for uh emergencies right oh if you had to like make money and so i had never used it yet but i turned it on and i was i wasn't sure if you had postmates on your phone if you needed to make money or postmates on your phone if you needed people to order postmates so you could (laughs) grab food to eat (laughs) because you were saying you were gonna do stand up or starve and you're like you're like i'm not fucking working but i need food no yeah so (laughs) that's hilarious so I turned on Postmates. I'm standing at Tatsu Ramen waiting to take an order, and something came over me, and it was like, "Bitch, fucking delete this app and and take that forty bucks. Eat get yourself get yourself a fucking uh, pizza. And tomorrow, when you have twenty bucks in your pocket, make fucking calls and and figure out a place to do stand up. And that's in, in so anyway, I figured out who my audience was, and I fucking marketed to them. And I I called Stir Crazy Comedy Club, and I rented out the space. And this is not something new. So, so here's a question for you. Where, where, first off, where is Stir Crazy? Phoenix. Phoenix. North how much, Phoenix. How much does it cost to rent out the space? Were you renting out a weekday or it's, a weekend? Uh, it, it was a Wednesday night. Okay. It was an off night. It, uh, it did not cost me anything. They, it was a door deal. Door deal. Okay. And it was 50-50 door deal? It was, uh, it was based on how many tickets you sold. Okay. It was if you sold nothing, I think you owed money. Okay. But at f- at 50 tickets it was like 50-50, at 75 it you got 80% and or something like that. And then if you sold out Because because bar sales went up. Sure. Them. And then if you sold out, you got a bigger cut. And that's available to anyone. Literally anyone can call any comedy club uh that's i don't know in a b to c city market you know and uh phoenix would be considered a b to c city market i mean north phoenix so so i guess like like you're not calling improvs yeah yeah you're yeah. calling stir crazies you're calling heliums you're calling loony bins fucking zanies like zanies. all these uh these places that have they have off nights mm-hmm. right and there's even um improv theaters and uh, m- music venues. There's uh, breweries. You can call anywhere, right? So what would what would a uh, what would you charge it for a ticket to? The first show I charged twelve bucks. Twelve bucks. And I ended up selling it out. Nice. And uh, I did that by uh, I start. And this is the thing. I you have you have to figure out how to market, mm-hmm. and y- and you can market on the phone through social media, through ads on Facebook. Um, and there's a lot of guys who make a good living renting a, a club out for a Tuesday night and uh, and just running hundreds of dollars worth of Facebook ads about and like there's like the lawyers of comedy, comedy, uh, 
comedy underground, comedy uh, rebels of comedy. Like you create these uh, these Names exciting. That sound, they sound like you sound like you're watching a Spike Lee sure. documentary touring group, right? And you run a bunch of Facebook ads, and sometimes you give away free tickets, sometimes you sell tickets, and you work a, a deal with the club on a go and do the radio in the morning. Would you sure, do? you can go and do the radio. I mean, I've been on the news four times, and. Uh, I've done, I think, one phone interview. Did you um, do that a video of you like bombing on the news once? That yeah, was, that was hilarious. Yeah. I remember. I'll play that. I'll play that on the podcast. That was, uh, <laughs> yeah, a bit of a. I, I cut that up, but they. Uh, so I was on the news, the morning news in Salt Lake, and I was scheduled for like a three-minute clip about you know promoting my show. I'm not doing any stand-up, and someone got in a car wreck on the way over there, like the next the next segment and so they extended us for like seven eight minutes which was a long time and so we did a long interview and then they got up and after the commercial break they had me do stand-up but they're like you can't do any of your act because it's uh it's not like family friendly so i'm straight up just bombing in front of these people on the morning news and like being very aware of it this is utah anyone have four wives out there am i allowed to talk about any any sister wives out there I, is, i'm getting i'm getting shoot off the stage already they're like cut cut what i'm excited about now that the pandemic is over the buying the flight insurance you guys do that Wait, what? Yeah, yeah that's what i gamble on did you guys know that cut like that's enough Oh, that's enough? I don't even get to do the punchline? Oh my God. Okay, thank you. I'm bombing in front of old ladies in Utah. The way I the way I do it is I call a place and um and I sell tickets. So I pick up the phone, I find out where people in the recovery community are through a friend, through a sober living, and then I talk to maybe two or three people and can convince them to come to the show like over the phone and then I asked them who I should call who d who knows like a rehab that that I could get connected with who knows uh some uh, people in the recovery community there and then I just go down the rabbit hole of referrals making hundreds and hundreds of phone calls to so, whoever so I like, can so like like you're calling someone like you represent Joe Biden and you're being like, yeah, hey, like, I, I represent yeah. Zane Helberg, comedian. I know, like, hey, my name's Zane. I'm putting on a sober, uh, a sober, friendly comedy show at this place. It's a like a safe and fun, sober environment. Uh, uh, you want to come, and you want to bring some people, and they and and I convince them to to do that. So and so like like. What's what's your turnover rate? Like, how many people do you call before ones like, yeah, I'm coming? Well, it's uh, when I'm starting a brand new city, mm -hmm. it can take hundreds of phone calls Ooh. to, to get one. No, no. To oh. sell 50 tickets. OK. 100 tickets. There's this other dude who did it for lawyers. Right. And he was an ex lawyer and he had he had uh, an act that was uh, that was funny and also kind of focused towards law. He had some law jokes. And so he would call a law office and he would go, look, I'm doing this law Lawyers of Comedy event. Why don't you buy tickets for your office and bring them out? It'll be a great night. It'll be uh, a good networking event. It'll be funny. And you'll be able to give back to your staff, right? And so uh, 
I'm sure that, and that guy, I remember that guy, uh, I don't want to say his name, but I know people who also worked for him and he had salespeople working the phones, like calling every fucking law office in a city. And, and he was a lawyer and then an lawyer. yeah, that guy was an ex lawyer, you know, and now he's a full-time touring comedian. So here's a question for you. $12 a ticket, stir crazy. You sell out. You're doing one night there. Yeah. I ended up walking with the, the guy wrote me a check for like 700 bucks. Okay. You know, and I paid the two, the, the guy who featured for me and the guy who hosted and I paid for all the gas. So in the end I made like $400 okay. off of what was basically like a month's worth of work. Totally. <laughs> Right. But, you know, it starts somewhere. So now, now I've been back to Phoenix three times and all of those people that I got in touch with through all of those phone calls, now I can call them and be like, what's up, Chris? What's up, Tom? How you doing? We're friends now. I'm like, I'm coming back. And now my, now that my fans are also people that I'm super connected with. So like Denver, Minneapolis and Portland are uh, and Austin, Texas, are three cities that, like, after the first time I went there, I made, it took me literally hundreds and hundreds of phone calls to get a group of people to come see me, right? 70, 75 tickets. Like, hours and hours on the phone convincing people. And also having a product to back it up. I could be like, look, this is my shit. It's pretty funny. Come see me. It's a great, you know what I mean? So Okay, so how many times, so here's a question for you. You say you have your 80-minute act. Um, like, I imagine you're not doing a brand new act each time you're going to Phoenix. Are these people coming to see well, you? Well, you know, here's the thing. Like, uh, over the course of, so I've been to some places twice, some places three times, and, um, and I can't, I can't, I do have the, the capability to do, uh, really long, uh, drawn out crowd work. So in a place like Phoenix, uh, I know that I'm going to go back every eight months. So I do as much crowd work as possible. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also writing a ton of new shit. Yeah. Yeah. Eight months is eight months is plenty of time to have a good chunk of new material. Also, if you go back to a place once a year, you can do, uh, the basically the same act. Well, it's not like it's also not like people don't like hearing the hits, you know. Like like people go to Jim Gaffigan, they want to hear Hot Pockets. Still. Yeah, yeah, it's for like, sure. You know, I've I've said I think I think people the thing people don't get is like you know like with a rock band you want to go see Billy Joel, you want to hear him play Piano Man. If you really like a comedian, you want to hear the new stuff, but you also like get excited about. I have, I mean, I have comics tell me they like hearing when I start a bit that they know and like. Yeah. Um, on stage, so. But I went to Denver twice this year, and in July I did my act, and then when I went back in November, I marketed it as a new material show, mm-hmm. and so I did, I did an hour of new material, and I mean, some shit hit, some shit didn't. You know what I mean? And it's just what it is. But they knew going in that they were coming to a new material. So show. how many theaters are you doing, or how many? So are you mostly booking comedy clubs? Are you mostly like booking comedy clubs? No, it's m- it's n- mostly not comedy clubs at all. Okay. I'm, I'm lo- I, they're uh, they're a, a pain in the ass to deal with. And so mm-hmm. like I can rent a place out, a small theater or uh, a, a black box theater for like a few hundred bucks. And, it's, and then you just get the place outright. It's just easier that way. And when I go, like I go to Denver now, and all I have to do is make like two or three phone calls and some people there who really love me put the word out and they fill the fucking theater for me. And that's and but that's because I go there 
and I bring them a valuable uh, service. This is, you don't have to be a comedian or a performer or anything to, to go make money places. As long as you're bringing a valuable service to people, they will come back to you. As long as people don't feel scammed. As long as pe- you, you come out and you say, hey, I'm going to make you all laugh and even come out and laugh. And if you deliver on people coming out and laughing, yeah, they're going to they're gonna remember and want to come again. Yeah, and so now I have over th- over the course of the past few years, and even through the pandemic, I was doing a lot of shit over Zoom and whatever. But now we're back. I've really started. Been, I've been back fully on tour since uh, May of 2021, and uh, my tickets are 20 bucks. You know, I make a ton of phone calls. Now this year, I hired a salesperson to make phone calls for me. I also started booking uh, uh, tour for uh, another comedian who's uh, got a much bigger following than me. Um, and I'm doing, he's doing it now in my way um, because he sees the value of it. Because if you can sell a, a place out and sell 100 to 200 tickets in a spot, you can make way more money in one night than you do in a weekend. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, so between uh, between my own tour and uh, featuring for a couple comedians and f- grinding my ass off and making sure that every single night I'm fucking killing. Like, you cannot bomb when you're opening for people. You just can't do it. Um, if you can do all of those things, you can be a successful comedian without a following. It's without a doubt. Amazing. You heard it here. How come you're not picking up more followers on these on these? I mean, I am, but it's hard. Yeah. Like I like look this year, this past year, I finally started getting everything on tape, and I I post stand up clips. I do all of the right things. You know, I'll tell you a trick I've I've done recently. I mean, this is a this is a specific Josh trick that I can only do occasionally, but I'm going to be doing it tonight. Um, So prior, so this will be last week when uh, <laughs> I'm doing a comedy magic show tonight. Mm-hmm. I close on a trick that involves everyone following me on Instagram. <laughs> I have a prediction in my Instagram that you can only see if you follow me on Instagram. That's hilarious. So I make the audience that like gets very invested in seeing in seeing how the uh, seeing the result of the trick follow. So I'll get like, I'll watch. My phone will pick up like 50 new people and the next day 20 of them will unfollow me. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> So I'll, I'll land thirty. Can I? Can we take a, a ninety second break so I can take a piss? I've been yeah, holding yeah, for yeah, like yeah. No, I mean actually, only two. Uh, this is, this, we're pretty much we're pretty much. I think oh, we, we're at the end. Yeah, we're at the end. So uh, so we're gonna we're gonna go piss and shit and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Zane. Thank uh, you for th- having I, me. I think of of my four episodes so far, the most educational. And and also listen to my podcast. If you're a comedian, if you're one, if you're one of Josh's loyal followers, and you're a comedian, listen to my podcast. And I promise you, if you listen to it, you will hear me detail everything I do on a weekly basis to further my own comedy career. And that podcast is called "How to Seem Rich So People Like You." How to seem rich so people like you. One other option is also uh, just listening to this podcast episode over and over again. Yeah, uh, you can get. All the details Zane shared on this podcast, on this podcast. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I am I'm Josh Edelman. This is the Jew Rogaine Experience. Thanks Thank for you, Dan, me. for being on it. Zane, bye.